Hi there, and welcome to this uh, online workshop on uh, setting up a successful partnership with industry. So if you've been uh, paying attention, some of the stuff that I've talked about recently is um, all about industry. So we talked about positioning yourself as an expert, first of all, then we talked about uh, how to identify industry partners, and now we're talking about setting up that successful partnership. So hopefully you've got some partners with some ideas on how you might collaborate, and so hopefully this will help you um, set up a partnership that ultimately will be successful and obviously successful is different to different people uh, that could be success might mean that you achieve your end goal success might mean that you get money to do research success might mean uh, one project success might mean several so uh, let's have a think about all those different things today as we go along one of the things that i think is uh, important to realize with industry partners is partnerships is that they're a lot like uh, marriages in real life and i'll get to some of that uh, in a moment so uh, just a few things as we get going uh, so this is me i'm dr richard heismans if you're already connected with me on linkedin uh, try and connect with me say on twitter or instagram uh, if you're not connected with me on linkedin that's where i love to connect so please do that uh, otherwise feel free to reach out me out to me on any of these methods here. Uh, I'd love to have a chat with you about industry and industry engagement beyond this session. Just some housekeeping. We are recording today, so uh, be mindful of that. This will go on YouTube and onto my podcast. Uh, please do participate, but be, be mindful that some of the information that you might share uh, could is gonna go on my podcast and turn to YouTube, so de-identify your stories. Uh, open up your mic and your camera if possible so we can um, hear and see you. That makes it much better for, for me anyway. Um, and we are limited in time. Uh, so at times I might talk quick because of that, but also that means that we won't get to cover potentially everything. So if there are uh, at the end, I'll give you some opportunity to get more information about um, setting up a successfully successful industry partnership. Uh, all the information in here, unless I state otherwise, is my intellectual property. Feel free to share it how you see fit, but if you do share it, please make sure that you acknowledge me as the owner of that IP simply by tagging me when you say post it on social media or share it with others and then you know post my um, social media accounts there with it. Okay, um, I started out as a PhD student at Monash University, then I exchanged my lab coat for a suit coat and now I help researchers answer the question of what next and so for some of that that is all about uh, industry partners and who or what industry partners we should go for next as part of that I wrote a book called connect the docs uh, you can get a free copy of that by typing book into the chat uh, or you can go to my website and download your own digital copy um, and that that was for free but I for a fee, but I can send you a hard copy for free. If you'd like a hard copy, just get in touch with me and say, Richard, I'm interested in a copy of your book and I'll get one out to you. Uh, and a lot of the content from today comes from the book. So um, if you wanted to re read that and um, get a bit more up to speed on some of my thoughts on industry engagement, uh, that might be a good place to start. So like I said, I reckon industry engagement are very similar. So you can see in, in marriage are very similar. So you can see the pathway to industry engagement is mutual interest and enjoy working together, um, perhaps as part of that, you'll have a proposal, then you'll lead to a project. Uh, for marriage, it's very similar. You'll meet, you'll find out that you'll have mutual interest, you'll enjoy time together, there'll be a proposal and then marriage. 
generally speaking, marriages are monogamous. Generally speaking, industry engagement is monogamous, but it can be polygamous, particularly when you look at perhaps engaging different sectors or um, segments of, an, of a sector. Both take lots of time and effort to maintain and communication is key to that success. Um, previous experience doesn't imply future success. Um, and the outcomes will vary. And despite our best efforts, some will fail. And despite perhaps um, negative indicators, some will succeed. So I think it's useful to know that as you're embarking on this process. I think some people think that industry engagement should last forever. And I certainly feel that that might be possible, but it shouldn't be your expectation. Just like you don't expect one grant to go forever, one industry partnership um, won't go forever. Uh, as part of some work that I did a few years back, I had this um, workflow slash infographic created. Um, this covers sort of why you might have an industry engagement partner, some of the values, from it, but it also looks at some of the um, key stats around industry engagement, which I think are worth knowing as we embark on an um, industry engagement activity. So first key stat is that 96% um, of, of organisations that have collaborated with a university partner in the past would do so again. So you can be confident that previous partners would like to partner again. So that's really good from a perspective of setting up new collaborations, that if your partner has a track record of collaborating with at least one partner in the past, you can be confident that they will be happy to do so again. Um, and 90% of those partnerships ended up being successful as defined by the industry partner. So again, generally speaking, these partnerships are successful in achieving whatever outcome it is that they were after. So it's useful to know that I think. So, you know, success is on your side, if that makes sense. Um, but some other stuff that's worth noting is that um, most industry partners don't have a collaboration with the agreement with the university. So that could be one of two reasons, either they collaborate without an agreement and that's okay, but it does potentially leave you or them open to um, bad things going really bad. Um, I'm particularly thinking about uh, publication of uh, outcomes or protection of outcomes, say, you know, protecting intellectual property or commercialization of outcomes. Um, but even worse than that, I think, is that 97% of industry don't source their innovation from universities. And in fact, um, most organisations source their innovation internally, which I guess is okay. It makes sense that your own uh, employees will help improve your products and services. 30% um, roughly outsourced from people's places like websites, journal articles, research papers, etc. Um, but interestingly enough, and I haven't put this here, um, something like 90% um, of industry partners would prefer to collaborate with a um, competitor than to collaborate with a uni. So even though we've got the stat that once you do collaborate, you enjoy it and it's successful and you do it again, the majority aren't collaborating because there's this perception that universities and researchers are really hard to work with. So in terms of setting up a successful partnership, you'll probably need to overcome some of those biases as well. And you've probably got some of your own biases too around what industries like and um, how they might operate as well. So um, today we'll look at some of those biases perhaps as well and how you might at least know that they exist so that you can uh, address them in terms of what made uh, 
partnerships successful. So personal trust is probably the key thing. And so one of the things that I've emphasized a lot with industry engagement is that if you go and look at people that you've worked with previously, people that you've studied with previously, um, you know, it, it might be schoolmates, it might be university mates, all of those people and peers as well, obviously, all of those people are going to be easier to develop personal trust with than a stranger who you might think works at a company that you'd like to um, collaborate with. The next thing is to have shared organization, vision and values. And you can do a little bit of a paperwork test on this. You know, what are my values and write that down and how, do that, how does that map against the, the listed organizational values of the company that you or the partner that you want to uh, work with? And then finally, mutual understanding between the partners. And I think that mutual understanding is the biggest thing. I think often, um, I've said this before, we're selling something, but they're not buying that, they're buying something else. So we might be selling um, quality, uh, we might be selling uh, a new pro, a new technique and they might be buying quality assurance. They might be wanting the new technique so that their quality assurance is higher or maybe that's a quality improvement process for them. So that, that will... Um, determine whether things perhaps um, continue on into the future. Um, because you, again, if you're selling, I'll oh, do this technique more often, but they want to have a quality improvement exercise, then maybe a different technique is actually going to improve the quality of their outcome rather than um, the technique that you think that they should implement. In terms of the barriers to partnerships, um, so barriers cited by business or IP and contracts, um, academic partners not matching um, industry requirements and it's definitely difficult to find partners and different timescales. And university barriers to partnerships were university metrics, IP and contracts and time pressure. You've got other things to do other than the partnership. And I think time pressure is uh, a thing for everyone. I think industry probably can give up more time than say an academic, particularly if you get approached out of the blue to partner with industry. No one generally is sitting around at um, you know, 80% utilization of their time waiting for a new project. Most people have 100% of their time used up. And when you take on or when you um, start with a, a new partner, generally speaking, you won't uh, drop down the other things that you do, you'll just do more. So if you're already working 40 hours in a week, you might step that up to 45 or 50 in order to start the industry partnership off. And later on, as other work of yours comes to a natural conclusion, then your hours might drop back down again. So I think this time pressures are definitely uh, barriers to success. I think university metrics are really interesting one. Uh, universities are talking about industry engagement more, but I've not seen that highly valued just yet. Uh, and, you know, time will tell whether that continues or not. I think as we get uh, more senior, uh, the current crop of academics into more senior roles and, you know, they then not only do they do the um, rhetoric match, yes, we want industry partners, but those people themselves would have um, had in participation in partnerships and know what it takes and therefore they'll be able to have a more qualitative understanding of the value of a partnership not just this quantitative understanding of dollars and cents or time or something else that's you know relatively easy to measure um and ip and contracts we'll talk about that specifically later on as well i think um that really can trip up a lot of partnerships so i'll talk a bit about that later um in terms of the communication thing, I think this is probably the biggest thing is where, where do we publish what we know? 
So as a researcher, we tend to publish what we know um, if in an online setting directly to a website. So we might have our own, we might use the university website, but that's where most stuff goes. Um, there's probably some social media stuff in there as well. Um, Twitter's probably the best place, uh, or most common, I should say. Uh, LinkedIn, less so. Um, for an industry partner, where do they publish what they know? They might not publish anything first up because they want to keep it a secret. Or if they do, it'll be on their website and then they might publish on LinkedIn. So you can see that already there's a little bit of a mis mismatch. If they're publishing on LinkedIn and we're not, then we're not going to see what it is that they've done or that they're after. And similarly for us, if we're publishing on our website, they might not even go and check it. In terms of self-publishing, like, you know, uh, other content, we might do case studies and vignettes uh, and maybe an annual report, less so a prospectus. But industry partners publish annual reports regularly, depending on whether they're a listed company or not. They might be obliged to publish an annual report. They might be obliged to publish a prospectus. And they're probably less likely to study, to produce case studies and vignettes, particularly smaller industry partners. Um, so my view on all of this is that um, lots of universities uh, have staff dedicated to going out and finding what you might consider to be the big gorillas. They want to have big partnerships with big pharma or big healthcare or big engineering. And that's really great. And I think that's, that's probably the right approach, but I think most partnerships between university and industry actually happen at a smaller scale, at a local scale. So if you, um, if your university is situated within an innovation precinct, as many universities are, there are probably lots and lots of small, businesses around the university like literally located within a five kilometer radius of that university that may be spun out of the university to begin with or um, have an interest in what the university produces but if they're not collaborating with you then maybe you need to go out and approach them and I think those small entities are not necessarily producing many case studies or vignettes they're probably producing annual reports at best um, and finally, where do we publish our peer-reviewed information? Well, obviously, for, for researchers, that's journal articles, books, and there's probably a large number of peer-reviewed presentations as well. There's probably not a lot of peer-reviewed industry publications out there. The closest thing is probably sector-wide position papers. Um, maybe an industry partner got involved in creating a book, but it probably could be self-published rather than peer-reviewed. So knowing where we publish is a useful piece of, you know, how do we want this information to get out into the wild? And if you just think about industry partners, they might not want the information to be out in the wild. So they might even not want to be known that they're partnering with you because they might see that as a strategic advantage, let alone publishing the outcomes of that. So it's really key to know those kinds of things. Um, the next thing to think about is why you might collaborate. So generally speaking, I think we collaborate for one of three reasons, money, impact, or resources. So for researchers, the money that they want is to do more research, I'd say. Uh, generally speaking, that's the main reason. Most researchers aren't, you know, finance focused in the way that, you know, we the stereotypical industry partner might be. Our industry partner want to collaborate for money to make more profit, generally speaking. Um, but in most cases, most partnerships with industry and between industry and university will generally have money flowing from industry to university with ideas, information, et cetera, flowing from research to industry. 
in terms of having an impact, researchers generally want to have an impact around changing people's lives, maybe to do better research. Generally speaking, industry want to gain a competitive advantage. The impact they want to do is to become better than their competitors in it, whatever it is that they do. Or if it's a new product or service, the new thing that they do, they want to be either the first to market or the best in the market or the best in the segment or the best in the sector at what they do. Um, Finally, if we're collaborating for resources, um, generally researchers want to get new or better data or different data or get access to different equipment. Um, whereas industry want to get access to the best thinkers and best equipment that they can get access to. Um, so obviously as a researcher, you, um, you might not think that you need access to better thinking, but industry probably has that as a goal. Um, and again, you might be wanting to get access to equipment for different or better data. And you, you might collaborate with industry because they have a piece of equipment that for whatever reason, you just can't get at your university. So I think knowing these things can really help set up a better collaboration in the future. Um, knowing why we collaborate uh, is really important part of um, setting up things to start with, because if you know that they want to get a competitive advantage as a result of working with you, then that means that you can ask them, well, you know, how long do I have? And what's, what's the most important part about the competitive advantage? And if they want to make more profit from the research, then you can say, well, clearly that means that the less the research costs, the better, the quicker that they can make a decision, the better. So all of these things can then play into the way you design your project, the way you conduct your project and the way that you um, deliver outcomes to them or communicate outcomes to them, to the partner. Um, so one of the things that I um, one of the things that I think is important is to think about who is interested in the partnership to start with. So um, I think for mine, there's three parties to the partnership. There's the legal and finance teams on both sides. There's you, the researcher, and there's them, the industry partner. So from a legal and finance perspective, I think their focus from a university perspective and even from an industry perspective is to protect the intellectual property. They're also interested to make sure that the money is flowing correctly in the right direction, that there's a return on investment. And that um, in some cases, particularly from the partner's perspective, they're interested in competitive advantage. And obviously all of these people, finance and legal, wanna make sure that there is a contract in place. Now, I think all these things are really important, um, but I think from your perspective, um, you wanna to communicate to your finance and legal team the importance of the project from your perspective. So yes, it's going to be about money and yes, it might be about intellectual property, but you know, you might want journal articles in there as well. So, you know, that might be an important thing to get into the contract. You might want to be able to present this at the next contract con conference. Again, that might be an important thing to get uh, into, into the contract. Um, the other thing that is really important that I've seen happen um, in a not necessarily inappropriately, but detrimentally or not um, certainly not assistive is that your legal team talks to you about legal stuff that then you need to talk to the partner about who then talks to their legal team about. And I would definitely feel that if you can get rid of um, in that case, that is more like a square, you know, four lines connected. Um, but if you can get rid of squares or triangles and just have straight line communication, so finance team to finance team, legal team to legal team on both sides of the contract, that'll improve communication massively. Um, so I definitely think if you can get out of the way of those things and, and support your team to talk to their legal team, that would improve communication as well.
Um, finally, let them know the timeframes and the sensitive nature of the work. One of the one of the things that I've seen happen for both university to university collaborations and industry collaboration is that it actually takes longer to sort out the contract than the actual project takes to deliver. So I've been involved in projects that legal teams have taken two years to sign off on. And by that stage, the project's done and dusted, it's all over. So the, the effort gone to, to make the um, contract to, to deliver the project uh, to, to deliver that part of the project is actually a waste of time because the contract was never in place during the conduct of the project. So be really clear to your team about the timeframes that are important. Um, the final thing I think is that often legal and finance want to drive the relationship. And I think that's the wrong place to, for it to be because it's all about the research and it's all about the partnership. It really needs to be driven by the researcher and the industry partner. And so you need to let them know what you want. And if illegal and finance are telling you that they can't deliver in this particular time frame, then you need to escalate that to the next highest level and say the partnership is in trouble because legal and finance can't work to our timeframes. And I've definitely, um, coached researchers to do that. And I've definitely seen finance and legal teams change their delivery deadlines because of pressure from um, other parts of the university in this case. The next thing to think about is what's important to industry. So like I said earlier, they're probably thinking about things like competitive advantage, return on investment, understanding progress is a big one um, and how long it's going to take to get to market. So I think competitive advantage, you know, I think you, you, you'll understand that as you get involved in the project return on investment. Again, I think getting involved in the project will help you, um, understand what their return on investment is. So like I said, they might be engaging this as quality assurance or quality improvement. So return on investment is going to be um, perhaps a quicker time to do something or better quality something coming out of there. And, and products and services can all have quality improvement aspects, not just, um, not just manufacturing. Understanding progress, I think, is a really big one. I think as researchers, we can get used to the way granting bodies expect progress reports to be written, which is pretty much once the whole project is finished. But I think from an industry perspective, even if they don't say to you, we want weekly updates or monthly updates, I think you should expect that that's what they want or they would appreciate that. And I, I don't think it's a case of saying, oh, you need to have a milestone at every single report or you need to have um, report on an outcome all the time. It might be as simple as just saying, yeah, this week we collected three samples and here's what the three samples said. It gives them more information and more opportunity to help you work towards their goal. If they want to return on investment, maybe three data points out of 10 is enough for them to make a decision. And remember, you're, you're probably an advisor in this situation. So your best advice might be don't use those three data points, given we said we want to go with 10, but they get to make that decision. They might be comfortable with the level of ambiguity that three out of 10 data points give them, but, and you might not be, but you want more certainty. They're happy to deal with the ambiguity. So be okay with that. The next thing, and that this kind of relates then back to the time to market thing, those three data points might end up being all they need to get to market really quickly and then outcompete their competitors in that area. And that might be the reason why they succeed or fail. And ultimately, if you've given them good advice and they fail, as long as that is recorded, you, you know, generally speaking, can't be to blame for acting on poor advice. Um, whereas if you give them that advice and they succeed, they will still recognize that your three data points were a key part of their success. Um, 
In terms of your effort, I think, again, understanding their competitive advantage and how, how, that's, how your work is going to give them a competitive advantage, understanding what parts of the work are time critical. So you can just ask these as direct questions, um, know what return they're looking for. Um, so for example, what are they going to do with the information after they get it from you? And they might decide that they don't want to let you know that, but you might say back to them, well, this will help me prioritize the work that I do. And perhaps it could help you in terms of the design of the project or the, the data collection. Uh, know how they want report uh, progress tracked and reported. Um, and make sure that you deliver against their goals. So whatever their goals are, you need to try and work hard to deliver against them. Uh, and that might seem hard at first because you know you feel like you're putting your goals second and their goals first. But if you want to have a long-term sustainable project, then delivering against their goals first will be really important to success. The final part to these partnerships, I think, is you, the researcher and to think about what's important to you. So you might want to get publications, you want to, might want to get grant money, you might want to get money out of the partner, you might want autonomy, um, you might want to commercialize. So I think you need to know really clearly what the things are that you want out of this um, and what's the highest priority, what's the least priority and what are you willing to give up in order that you can gain some of the things that you want. So they might not want peer-reviewed publications out there because it might uh, compromise their intellectual property. So you'll need to work out what that process is. You'll need to work out what you can publish without their permission and what you can publish needing their permission. Um, you'll need to work out, like if you want money for, let's say you want to do a partnership grant later on, or you just want to turn this into a discovery grant perhaps, then you'll need to talk to them about it and let them know so that you can go off and develop that. And they might be really keen to support you write a, a discovery grant. And they might even say, actually, you know what, let's turn that into a partnership or a linkage grant rather than just a straight here, we'll give you a fee-for-service kind of um, research project. So make sure you communicate your goals with your partner. Make sure you include your goals in the contract. So their goals should be in the contracts and so should yours. If you want to publish, make sure that's included in the contract uh, so that you can, you've got a leg to stand on there. Offer them opportunities to be engaged in your goals and hopefully that will result in them offering you opportunities to be engaged in theirs. So, you know, I would really encourage if they're going to present this research to an industry fair, they should be the one presenting it, but you want to be there. You want to be involved. You definitely want to be listed as an author or a partner or a collaborator. And if you can be in the room at the same time, or if you can be on the same call, I would definitely encourage that um, wherever possible. And the, the reverse is also true. Invite them into your world, invite them to see your presentation presentations around the research and, and um, include them as an author and a collaborator on your work. Uh, on your work. I personally don't think that it is a big deal to add an additional um, author to a piece of um, peer-reviewed work. Uh, and I think it's really easy to do. And I think it really um, pumps their tires up uh, and without taking any air out of your tires, if that makes sense. I think some of these things you, as a researcher, what's important to you also need to be um, you need to think critically about it. And I think the biggest one is this idea of autonomy and then also the idea of commercialization. So a lot of researchers, I think, think they're autonomous and think they get to make their own decisions of what they, about what they research on. And I think that's not entirely true, mainly because we generally frame grants and funding proposals to peer-reviewed granting bodies in the context of what that peer review body wants to hear in the context of what is a research priority in the context of what resources we have at our university or at our disposal. So I think this idea of autonomy is um, 
not necessarily made up, but not entirely true. So I think challenge yourself about whether working with industry is taking away your autonomy, or maybe it's just directing your effort in a, in a different way to how you might otherwise have directed it um, as a result of getting a grant or applying for a grant. Um, the other thing to think about is commercialization. I think a lot of researchers think they're wanting to commercialize their product or their widget or their um, uh, antibody or whatever it is that they might be researching. And I've, I think that's really good. I think researchers want to be, should be entrepreneurial and I think they should want to be involved in the process. But I personally, again, don't think that you're necessarily in the best position to be involved in that like you know industry generally speaking has a stronger understanding of the commercial realities of the marketplace so that doesn't mean it shouldn't be commercialized if you think it should but if they're wanting to be involved ceding 50 percent of the ownership to them so that they run the whole process might actually be good value because then it means that they as the experts in the commercialization of this thing can take it to market and you as the expert in researching the thing can continue to improve it and research it so and, and i think that is where the partnership that is where you should think about yourself as commercialization in commercialization terms what's most important to me and where's my energy best spent they probably are much better than you at commercializing and you are probably much better than them at researching so i'd advise you to do the research and let them do the commercializing that doesn't mean you say goodbye to the intellectual property or to money that might flow it just means you let them do that part of the work um, so sometimes projects can, in spite of all of this, some projects will go, like I said, um, early on about the relationship between, um, marriage and the, and, um, industry partnerships, some will break and won't be repairable. Others will break and you'll be able to repair them and others will break and perhaps reform in a new or a different way. So I think you need to be open to that as an idea. One of the things that you could potentially challenge yourself to do is think about gaining and maintaining industry partners as a research project in itself. What are the factors that are successful in gaining them? What are the factors that resulted in failure? Um, how could I avoid the factors that resulted in failure? How could I repeat the ones that resulted in success? Those kinds of things, documenting the process, what was the method that I used? What were the findings? What were the outcomes? That's all a really useful way of thinking about research partnerships uh, and, and industry engagement in general. Um, and because of the variation in partnerships, you could potentially throw your hands up in the air and go, oh, you know, regardless of what I do, there are going to be successes or failures and I don't need to worry about improving. Or you can take the approach that maybe I could improve and maybe I could get better. And I'd like to see you would uh, take on the latter rather than the former. In terms of more information, for those of you that are interested, I'm starting group coaching where we could potentially go through the process of identifying and getting a partnership for you. Group coaching starts uh, on the 31st of August. It's, it's $1,200 for the whole year. It's monthly meetings plus some trimester-based one-on-one meetings. I'll keep you to account. I'll definitely make sure that you will, I won't make you make progress, but I will be definitely asking you about progress and you'll set and achieve goals. Um, there are limit, places are limited. So if you're interested in being involved, get in touch with me as soon as possible. Um, I'm also doing two other programs about writing. One's about writing your article in 12 weeks, your journal article in 12 weeks. That starts on the 24th of August. If you want to be involved with that, 
um, shoot me an email and I'll get you started. The other writing program is about thesis writing and we're gonna look at thesis writing over a 15 week period. Um, both of those programs are weekly meetings. Both of those programs are $120 excluding GST. So if you're interested in that, uh, send me an email or uh, tweet me or whatever social media you might be on and we'll make sure that we get you um, enrolled in that program or more information about that program. Finally, as always, I've got complimentary access to my LinkedIn program, my book and coaching. So if you don't know whether you want to do coaching or you've never heard of being coached before and you want to know what the process is, you can get access to a complimentary session just by shooting me an email and say, hey, Richard, I heard you talk about coaching. I'd like to get involved. Same with the book or LinkedIn. Finally, in terms of what else is going on, next week we're going to be looking at building multi-university collaborations. And so that we'll look at the relationship perhaps between um, or similarities between industry partnerships and university partnerships and some of the differences as well. Um, then we'll spend two weeks looking at uh, university ranking schemes. So we'll look at um, an introduction to those schemes and you know some of the ones that I think are important and some of the ones that I see Australian universities paying attention to. Uh, and then we'll look at how you as an individual researcher could take advantage of your university's desire to do well for industry ranking. Um, and then if you like this one and you want to watch some others, there's um, webinar workshops on industry engagement that might be useful. There's one on finding industry partners and there's others on using social media to translate your research. As always, you can subscribe to get this sort of information and updates in your news in your inbox by subscribing to my newsletter. Um, everything about this is available on drrichardheismans.com. All one word, you can uh, go there, slash events is for the events page, slash category slash webinars is where all the historic webinars are located. Thanks very much for your time. It's our most valuable resource and I look forward to seeing you uh, in a week.